Whether it's a physical trek across the country or finding your way through a challenging career obstacle, everyone has a journey that we can learn from. And we're here to tell those stories. I'm Nick Smith. And I'm Alan Shago. Our paths crossed at the intersection of art and business, and we've met some really inspiring creatives along the way. In this podcast, we'll explore and unpack these and other stories to help us all lead more balanced, well-rounded, and creative lives and careers. This is To the West and Back. Coming to you live from the kitchen warehouse <laughs> showroom, it's To the West and Back. I like our new intro. I love it. You like good. it? It is very good. Out of context, it really makes no sense. Yeah, people are going to be like, what? But are we are talking about? sitting in like a cabinet showroom right now. We are, yes. So we have a, a new office space and it's uh, with our friend Lauren, who has a cabinet building or cabinet company. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a cool little showroom. But in the back, they have this nice little room that's our, our new office space. This sounds so like it's we're cool. sponsored. I know. It does sound like we're sponsored. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about having a sponsorship. No, we say that every time and yet no one... No one tries ever, to sponsor yeah. us, so I don't know what's up with that. Well, today we have a special guest. I'm very excited. Uh, it's been a long time since we interviewed someone, so uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's really say, funny. Today we have Derek. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thanks for having me. No problem. Welcome. I'm so, also nervous. It's okay. About what? It's my first solo pod. I've never been on a podcast by myself. It's always been with bandmates or something like that. Mm. Nice. Well, it's well, you're it, in the hot seat today. Yeah, I'm always nervous too, so it's okay. I feel you. Okay. Good. <laughs> so just uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of who you are and what you do. Mm, okay. Uh, my name's Derek. Um, I do a little bit of a lot of things. Um, I play in a band called Fivefold, which I know you've probably talked about on here before because we work together. Um, and then various like other entrepreneurial things, um, some property management stuff building a wedding venue. I, I don't know, like, where do you want me to start? Like, yeah. you want me to go, like, Here, tell. How, how about, Chago, you tell us what made you want to have Derek on. I feel I like that, that would help. Yeah, I feel like Derek is one of my favorite people just to talk to, and I feel like he always does, like, this, like, really cool research with everything that he talks about, and he's just, like, a very thoughtful person. So I thought this would be a fun episode. Like, I always can I always go to him and ask him for advice or talk to him about certain things, and he's always, like, I don't know, just knows a lot of cool things about... A lot of stuff which is always wild to me i'm like how do you know that kind of yeah. stuff dude it's really cool wow. so i just think it's Look gonna be that. an interesting episode that was a nice little walk up yeah I'm, <laughs> let's just keep that going yeah, yeah. derek's like can you keep going with that? um i have only met you derek just a few times and mm. really we've already sat here talking longer than we've ever talked to each other before <laughs> yeah. um but there are a few things i know about you i feel like you've never met a stranger that's one at least it seems like you're always very nice to me. Maybe you just like me. <laughs> you're surrounded by good people. I know Shago's friends are good people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hey, thanks. Um, you are a man of many talents and hobbies, seems like. And I can now also attest to the thoughtfulness because Derek brought us a gift today. Like the coolest gift ever. The coolest. Little, little uh, old-fashioned glasses with the word cathartic. I love engraved. it. It's going to be a, a staple of the To the West and Back podcast episodes from now on. And yet here we are drinking <laughs> Suntory whiskey <laughs> out of shot glasses and not the nice glasses that he They're gave us. They're too nice, dude. We can't use them. <laughs> I even polished those. I'm not going to lie. I did. Wow. I swear. With a microfiber cloth. They look wow. awesome, dude. What a thought. I love it. Love that. Um, so we have, I feel like a few different things. Like I think you're just like so involved with like entrepreneurial things. Like where did mm. that come from? Um, I think like young age, so I was, I was homeschooled and, uh, my mom would do, um, these certain things. I, and I, if I take it back even further, I think like maybe without knowing it's cause I was raised like by a single mom. So my mom was single, um, never met my dad, but I, I think like some of these things were ingrained from back then because she would basically like work all these shifts and she would like work all day and then she would work all night. And then like me seeing that at a very young age, I think it had an impact on me. And then like fast forwarding to being homeschooled, she would do these projects where I got to kind of get involved in different things. Like, so like, I don't know, I was probably 13, 14 years old and I would go like door to door. We lived in Crestwood, which is kind of like an older community, not too far from here. And uh, I would go door to door and like I made these flyers and I would tell people these people I cut their grass for 30 bucks. Right. So I would do this during the day, like supposed to be school hours. So 
and she encouraged a lot of that. Um, and so I would do that. And then like turn 16, had a few lawns and would do that and I could drive. So I would, it went from there to like doing leaf removal and stuff. So I would like make my own money. And I, I also got like a, like a normal job at about, I was like 15, 16 years old. And I, I knew I didn't like it. It was like in a, like a factory kind of setting. And I was mm. like, this sucks. This is, I didn't like <laughs> yeah. being, and my mom will tell you, I do not like being told what to do like at all. I absolutely hate it because I want to do what I want to do. And also I probably see a better way to do it, at least for me. Like, not that my way is always right by any means, but I would say back then it kind of started there. And then I graduated, I was homeschooled. So I graduated high school a little bit early. And right from there, my, my grandpa would come up to me and said, well, what are you going to do after this? And it was like, I don't know, go to college. But I really didn't want to because mm -hmm. I hated school, yeah. like with a passion, hated school. And um, I was like, I have no idea. And he's like, well, what if we start? Like, Because at this point, I had stopped doing the lawn and landscape thing. It was just like, you know, neighborhood lawns. But he's like, well, what if we started like a legit lawn and landscape company? And he had he had had them in the past and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like me and my grandpa working together. So to be fair, though, back then, I was not the worker that I am now. Um, I started working with my grandpa and, and he was an old bricklayer, bricklayer in St. Louis. So he was like hot carrier and, and would lay bricks and like, I mean, like hard work, real mm -hmm. hard work. And he would he would run around South City and stuff and and hit the bars. He was just a hard guy back then. Now he's a pastor, so he's <laughs> turned his life around. But he's been that for a long time. But that was way before I was born. Um, but he would do that. So we would start working, and I thought I was working hard. I remember um, having this one moment with him where we were building a retaining wall, and he had this friend. This is a funny story. I was 18 years old and he had this uh, friend, uh, Jim Gray was his name. And um, he was like, man, he had to be like 60, just a hard nosed, hard working dude. And um, me and my grandpa had this lawn landscape company. He brought Jim in to help us build these walls on this bid that we got. And I, here I am 18 thinking I'm hot stuff. And he says, we're going to basically bet, do this wall this certain way. I said, no, we're not going to do it that way. And uh, he's like, no, this is how it's done. We're doing it this way. I told, I'm 18 years old. I'm telling this 60 year old guy who's built way more walls than me. I, I look him dead in the eyes. I said, I write the checks around here. <laughs> yeah, dude. dude, I had an ego on me. And little, my grandpa came back from the store getting some stuff and heard the whole story. And he said, you go home. I was like, no, no I was Bobo. He's like, no, you go home. I was like, what the heck? So I was like arguing with my grandpa and he's like, get in your car and go home. We'll talk later. So I go home and I'm like, I'm 18, I'm like 19, maybe trying to figure out what happened here, you know? And my grandpa comes and sees me later. And basically like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard the term come to Jesus moment. Mm -hmm. I had this with my grandpa and uh, much respect for my grandpa. So it um, kind of set me on this thing where like he said the right things, he was crying hugged me and stuff and just laid it out there. It was just honest with me. And, and then when I was able to reflect on it after he left, I was like, man, he's right. Like I think about it. I was like, I was sitting around on these job sites, stuff like that. But mm -hmm. that was a lot to the, to the answer of like, I've, I've known for a long time that I, I really don't like working for people. And part of that too, like the overarching view of things is I think paying people what they're worth um instead of what this like status quo is i think mm -hmm. it is is very important to me and there's a, a lot of people out there that are doing an awesome job and trying to get somewhere these people who put in the extra effort like third door type stuff that deserve to be in a position where they make more than what the standard is because they put in more work they do the extra stuff or the, or you know they just care more mm -hmm. And those people usually end up leaving and going off and doing their own things, but fostering that, I, I have a, I really want to do that. So nice. I've always been that way. So what are the things you do now? Take us through the list. Um, so we have fivefold the band um, that started when I was um, seventeen or so, um, eighteen maybe. Um, I have a business, a couple of businesses with my business partner. Um, David and Karen, my wife, are part of this business. 
but we have a 17,000 square foot building here in South County that we renovated um, and took over and we lease out to organizations. Uh, we have uh, this blacklight fundraiser thing. Basically what it is, is we go, these nonprofits come to us and say, we want to put on an event to fundraise for whatever nonprofit, whatever it may be, like a baseball team or a cancer fund, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And we, we bring in, um, an event coordinator and an MC and we bring in lights and stuff and we help them put on that event to the best and help them raise as much money as possible. And then we tear down and we're gone. We mm -hmm. do that. We're building a wedding venue in Washington, Missouri right now and developing that property. Um, I'm sure there, there's other things that aren't fully formed businesses that are in the works, but they don't really, they don't do anything right now. But what led you to those two things like was there a specific need that you saw or were you just like hey i'm gonna fill this gap in the market um or which, were you like hey i have this building <laughs> that there's two different oh the building thing um the building was an opportunity so i met david is uh where this kind of partnership started at a company called all american bingo i got hired on there by jim story um and he was like an investor in the band so that's how i kind of got pushed into that is like bingo company and I met David there and uh, shortly, I would say around the time that I found out Jim was sick, me and him kind of connected on a level. I started talking to him. We had like a similar childhood and we just kind of were talking and it's like, dude, I'm all the same things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we just started talking. It's like it was kind of inevitable that something would happen. So um, we tried some things that failed, um, lost some money on some things and we just kept plugging, plugging along and um, this opportunity popped up and. I spent, sorry, I keep doing that in the mic. Um, I spent, all of us spent actually, my wife included, we spent, I guess it was, what was, it was right kind of towards the tail end of COVID, whatever year that was. I'm terrible with dates, but we, we took, I am dude. We took over this building, 17,000 square feet. And it was, it was terrible. It was a mess, dude. Like it was just dirty and, and terrible. So we tore up all the floors in December. So we had like a month and a half to get this building renovated. I spent Christmas Eve there, Christmas, New Year's Eve, New Year's, like all day, just all night. Mm -hmm. I, like New Year's Eve, me and my wife got some fireball and a box of white claws and nice. we're just grinding floors down, getting, trying to get to this deadline of January. And, and, um, what led me there, I guess, was that, that was just an opportunity thing. And then me and David's relationship being formed by uh, meeting him through Jim's story. That, I mean, that was just purely opportunity. It wasn't like I want to have a 17,000 square foot building. It was just like, hey, here's an opportunity. Do you want to go for it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. So <clears throat> nice. Like, I want to go back to the, uh, you know, like paying people what they're worth and that kind of thing. Like, I remember like when you opened the wedding venue, I was like, why did you, why did you decide to do a wedding venue? And that was like one of the reasons like paying people what they're worth. Like, I just think that's so cool. And I feel like more people should like, I don't adopt that philosophy. And I just think that's like a really cool philosophy to adopt. Yeah. Um, the wedding venue was, was kind of birthed. Like David had talked to me about this idea and about this wedding venue idea because him and his wife were getting married and to be honest initially i was like he's doing this wedding venue thing i didn't even know i was involved in it <laughs> and uh, he's like one day he was like so what if we do blah blah i was like we and he's like yeah are you down to do this i'm like well, yeah i'm down to do it i just we never talked about it and yeah. he was like yeah of course i want you involved I'm like okay yeah i'm down um that came from this what we see as a need is like if you've ever uh gotten married I'm, yes, yes. I'm married. Maybe soon. Maybe, maybe at my place. Maybe I've, seen, my I've, place. Seen, I've seen many weddings <laughs> yeah. in the wedding industry. Yeah. We know all about weddings. Yeah. <laughs> it's expensive, man. Yeah. And they have like this foothold on like $20,000 to have the room for eight hours. Plus you need to use our caterers and here's your two you can pick from. It's going to be $15, $20 a person. Then you got to use our, it's like it racks up so quick to where you're spending all this money for something. And it's like kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. So the wedding venue idea came from this place of they got married actually at, at a place, um, outside of Herman. And they do this thing where you get the, the property from Friday to Sunday. And we kind of were there and we're like, man, there's so many things that could just be like, like not even huge investments, but just make it so much better. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
we started talking about it. And then, so it was like a two, three year process where we started looking at properties, going out and doing this thing. So the whole idea is that you don't have to spend a fortune like at ours. You're not going to be forced to use anyone. You barbecue for all we cared. We're not, we're not doing this. You have to use our bartenders. You have to use this. It's like, here's, mm -hmm. here's the blank slate, nice blank slate, you know, nice building, nice property. Stay on site from Friday to Sunday. Take your time. Enjoy your time. Set up Friday night. Hang out with your people. Mm -hmm. Saturday, have the wedding. Sunday, have plenty of time to clean up. And you're not spending anywhere near that amount of money. That's nice. Yeah, that's so, so nice. Yeah, the wedding industry can, uh, it adds up pretty quick. Yeah, it does. But like it, your property is so cool too. It's it's fun for me too because I watched it from like the beginning when you guys purchased it with all like the old buildings and stuff to yeah. like the awesome homes that you have on it now. It's like really cool to watch that evolution. What's that been like? Uh, stressful because we, <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, stressful but fun. Uh, very grateful for the timing of that because it actually popped off right like I don't want to say like six, eight months again, not good with dates, uh, right before COVID hit. So yeah. we like bought this piece of property and started getting all the financing and stuff in order. And then we got all that done and then like uh, moving into these apartments to start to develop this, this property. And then COVID hits and it's like, oh man, dude. Mm. So, I mean, me and my wife, Nicole, and, and David and Kara would drive out there almost every day because nobody was working, mm -hmm. you know? So we'd drive out there a lot of times, um, grab some white claws and, <laughs> and we just spend time out there, like, you know, clean up the property. Cause when we got it, it had 12, 14 buildings, it was overgrown. It had sat vacant for like 15 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was a mess, dude. It was, it was so bad. So we just went yeah. to town cleaning up woods. I mean, there's cars in the woods, countless cans and bottles in the middle of these woods and it's just like it was just not taken care of yeah so it was it was stressful but i was grateful because i would have i would have lost my mind over covid if i went and had a project mm -hmm. like 100 like i'm the type of person and nicole will tell you this like if the house isn't clean i'm in a bad mood because mm -hmm. i i like to be doing something and i like things to be organized and stuff maybe a little ocd at times but if i wouldn't have if I'm not doing anything, I almost like feel bad when I relax. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I can't do it. Like yeah. I, can't, no, I, I feel that. Too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, which For is like sure. a, I guess back to the balance thing. <laughs> Trying yeah. to find that right that right yeah. balance is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balance is definitely a good thing, but I I feel like too like pursuing stuff and sometimes pushing yourself those limits is a good thing too. Can't constantly do it, um, but yeah. Nice. So what have you learned through these ventures? Oh man. About yourself or about other people or about um how to clean up a forest. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a work in progress. There's nice. so much trash, but um man, there's so many things um that we've learned th definitely through this. I'm definitely grateful to have a team like David and Kara and and my wife. They all have their strengths and and me and David um, it's kind of like we can go at each other. I remember a moment when we were renovating that building here in South County where me and him got into it. Like it was a hot conversation, right? I mean, it was heated mm -hmm. and we got into it and then we walked away from each other and, but it was like nothing happened. It's cause, cause we like both are okay with having those hard conversations and, and, and getting at each other like that mm -hmm. and being okay with it. Like a Kara too when we had that building, there was this incident with this trash company. And I was like, I can't get through to these people where Kara takes over. And she like calls them up and is like, she gets it done within like two days. I'm like, I've been dealing with these people Like me and David have been calling, trying to figure this thing out. She had it done in like two days and she's a teacher and she has a lot of patience and she just, she just laid it out for him. And she, I, I feel like everyone has like a huge strength to play and learning when to let go mm -hmm. of, certain things is okay too and and playing off people's strengths i think is really important to let them have their moment too and to not feel like you have to fix everything i guess mm -hmm. like because like always wanting to do something sometimes i feel bad if somebody else is doing something i'm like not involved in it in a sense but mm -hmm. um dude countless countless lessons over that learned a lot about zoning and property stuff with like the county and like everything that goes into that is mm -hmm. just oh it's crazy and david handled most of that thing thank god because i would have lost my mind so i mean i could go on for lessons learned i mean 
had a lot of failures in there too, but mm-hmm. that's all right. Yeah, I feel like the having the hard conversations thing, I've really learned that. Like when I first started doing business stuff, I was like mm-hmm. always like I would hate those uncomfortable conversations, but just from like being involved with a bunch of different like cool groups and businesses and all that kind of thing. Like I think it's just really cool to, to have those hard conversations because you make so much progress rather than like both parties are kind of like, oh, what do we do? Like we kind of want yeah. to have this conversation, but how do we like do that? But like, if you just have the conversation, you can grow so much faster. And that's how you get the best work. Like you and I have yeah. had that conversation. Yeah. It's not even like literally we weren't even having like a difficult conversation, but we were both like, hey, we both want this project to be good. Why are we getting so caught up and like, well, what do you think about this one? I don't know. Just like say what you yeah, want. Say what, yeah. Yeah. And let's get it done because we both want this to be good work. But I like the other uh, big lesson learned. It's like you don't have to do everything. You don't always have to be the smartest person in the room, even, you know, as long as you have a good enough team and surround yourself with those people, like that's a win for you to be able to build a team like that and then to have people who can help you with those things. Yeah. I'm never the smartest person in the room too. (laughs) Like I'm I'm not, dude. I'm just not like, there's always there. I always feel like, I guess maybe like a little bit of imposter or something like that, where I feel like I have to prove myself all the time Mm -hmm. because I don't have any like really specific skills. Like I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have really anything that's like, that's what he does type Mm -hmm. thing. I've had people tell me things that I'm good at and stuff like that. Um, But I don't, I don't, I'm definitely never the smartest person in the room. And I'm I'm trying to work on that to, you know, it sounds kind of terrible, but I just don't feel that way. And that's why, like, you know, like with stuff with Shalgo, um, I don't know if you could, do you guys, do you call yourself Shalgo on this podcast? Pretty much. I, yeah, I, yeah, pretty I, much, I call him yeah, that. Pretty much, <laughs> okay. pretty much everybody just calls me Shalgo. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, everyone's like, Alan, nope, Shalgo. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was talking to the Fivefold Lawyers the other day, and I was like, in Shalgo, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Shalgo? Like, I'm sorry, Alan. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah. I think like when I need something, I, I know I can go to him. Um, he's been a uh, an awesome homie. I mean, a friend and stuff and like these little things that I need. I mean, like over when we were doing the property and stuff and like, hey, dude, do you think you could piece together this video? Would you mind coming out doing it? He's like, yeah, dude, what time you want? It's just like, mm-hmm. like he's always there for that. So like these people, David being with like money and like the accounting side of things and like dealing with that kind of stuff and people Kara with the trash stuff and, and my wife with like, you know, her specific, specific set of skills and what, and what she's great at. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been super lucky even with fivefold, you know, like Matt and, and Ryan and Coco and all these people that have been in, you know, Bobby, all these people, they just have like these strengths that it's like, I'm just lucky. You know, I'm never, I'm never the, if, if I lost any of those people, I wouldn't have anything. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm very aware of that. So, yeah. (laughs) I think we all kind of have that though. Like we're always like, we're all surrounded by like really good people. Yeah. And it's like, if you lose those people like in your life, then you're like, oh my God, like that's like a very obvious hole, like a gap. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think everyone kind of, and I always go through the imposter syndrome too. Like when we were shooting the music video, I was like, oh my God. I was like, we had like one camera. I was like, we don't have the big red cameras. We don't have all the stuff, but the music video turned out really cool. And like, it was just like a cool moment too, is where it's like, okay, I can accomplish these things. So it's fun to say to yourself, like after you have that imposter syndrome, you just kind of like come back from it and you still get it done. It's like, it's yeah. a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I remember telling you on that shoot, you were like asking all these questions, like, dude, you got to make the call, bro. Like, and I was you, like, you, you got to make the decision. <laughs> Chago indecisive? Yeah. I was what? Like, well, that's not, that's doesn't, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, for sure. Yeah. And no, I was like, there was like a moment and I was like, you know what? Derek's right. I just need to like take over and just do my thing. And you, you know, still, like, still like get input from everyone, but just kind of like have that vision in that direction or we're going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that phrase, your net circle is your net worth. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily believe that only pertains to like monetary stuff. I think it's like everything, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. vibes when you're trying to create or, or just get things done and like having someone that you can lean on for that, like that net circle of people is very important. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that as cliche as it sounds. Yeah. I think Tim Ferriss always says that on his podcast too. Yeah. Like the sum of the five people closest to yeah. you kind of thing. Yeah. So oh, I, I, I definitely never heard that. I definitely believe that for sure, dude. Dang. So you two know each other because of fivefold. Yeah. Right. Yep. Tell, tell me about that uh, origin story with the band and you guys are still doing it all these years later. Yeah. And Shago has been along for the ride also. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, how we met is really, I think, a testament um, to Shago. Uh, and we talk about this all the time because we get this sometimes where people will send a message and they'll say, hey, can we do this, this and this, you know? And it's like, well, how much? We don't know. They don't have anything to show, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, Shago, we were playing a show at Del Mar Hall. Shago sends a message to um, to our booking, I think it was, or maybe on Facebook. And at the time, and still Bobby Autry, our, our production slash manager um, guy, basically sent us all a text that, hey, this guy wants to come out and shoot a video. We're like, okay, does he have anything? It's like, he just, he, I don't remember like what the details were of that, but it ended up with us being like, yeah, you know, get him some photo passes and, mm -hmm. and have him come out. So he comes out. I remember we didn't have much of an interaction that first time I met you, yeah. but I remember watching you like run around and stuff and, and do your thing. And then I remember he turned that video around quick like super quick mm -hmm. and sent it over. And I remember being like, dang, man, he put all that together that quick. And I remember like watching it. I was like, that was sweet. And, um, and then I think trying to remember like how it went from there. I think we invited you to come out to another show. Is that? Yeah. It was like the, I think it was like March, 2017 was the first fivefold show. And then I came back cause you guys did the farewell show oh, right, that right. December. And I think I, I came back to, to film all of that and to kind of create like a kind of cool last video kind of thing. Yeah. If you, if you've ever read the book third door, it's a, it's a great book, but I feel like that when I say it's a testament to Shago because he basically just threw something out there mm -hmm. to try and make something happen. He was trying to shoot bands. He wanted to get into that scene because I think you were primarily doing weddings at the time. Yeah, at that point in time, I still didn't really even know like where I was going to go or mm -hmm. like what I was going to do. I was like, what I just, year was I just, this? Do you know, know? 2017. Uh, 2017. Oh, yeah. Dang. So I was like, right. It would have been like right before we graduated from college. Yeah. So I had like interned with Ryan at Route 3 Films. And then I was like, oh, I just want to do like the band stuff. And I had been a cool fan of Fivefold, you know, yeah. for a long time. And I was like, let's reach out. And me and Wes reached out and we were like, we don't really have anything to sh like to show you guys, but we promise it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember, too, um, we always talk about this, too. Is If you know Shago, he's always smiling, dude. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've I've ever seen him like not walk into a room smiling like he's smiling right now <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta show the smile off. <laughs> yeah he's just always i remember watching him um at that show and just being like hey this guy's good vibes you know yeah. like walking around and just and just being cool and then we had you back for that and then um i'm trying to think of the the cadence of things that happened after that i mean i don't think we had too much contact until like the steeple stuff yeah because um, the, the farewell show was yeah you know i had like, I had decided to step down from fivefold and then everyone had decided to kind of close the doors for a little while on that. So that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, I think Ryan reached out and was like, Hey, would you be down to do like a, a photo shoot for steeples? I was like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. That sounds fun. Yeah. And then from there we were like, we need help with social media and, and all these things. And, and that kind of birthed like, um, like a, almost like a social media manager and also kind of the brand side of the house of things mm -hmm. like yeah. you handled most of the, well, pretty much all that with Eric had his hand in it too, but yeah, that was primarily you. You guys have a very cohesive image now. I don't know what it was before Shago was there, but you do good work. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. That's <laughs> yeah, that's not, dude. I hate social media. <laughs> it's I, hard, dude. I'm not on there very much. I, yeah. Even just posting something, I'll find myself just posting something. I'll read it and I'll be like, that sounds stupid. And then eventually I'll delete all of it. It's like, I'm not posting it. Like, I just don't even want to deal with it. I just don't yeah. like it. So I'm very grateful to have him in the fivefold camp running all of that. It's fun, dude. I love it. It's it's a good time. Yeah. And it's cool. I get to like create the content too. And then also get to post it. So it's kind of like a fun evolution of things to mm -hmm. like watch it be created, be in the moment with the guys and then get to create the cool things. And they like, they just did like the hot or the one chip challenge. Yeah. And they were like miserable and it looked awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, that I was, sounds terrible. I was there like filming the whole thing with them. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, it was terrible. <laughs> it was it was the worst thing I've ever done. I'm not even joking. I believe that. Yeah, they looked terrible. absolutely miserable. I cannot think of a single thing that could be worse than I that. I told Shago the other day, I was like, I got a plan for you, dude. Because he's like, I'm not doing it. I was like, no, I'm, I've got a plan. He's like, I'm fleeing away. I'm never doing oh, it. Oh, it's yeah. happening. I'm running. Yeah, no, just flee. <laughs> not you. We're, we're going <laughs> to no. lock you down. I will avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Be like, hey, Nick, can I come just like crash at your place for a while? I need to lay low. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, because I don't want to be <laughs> caught up in the trip. Yeah, they're like, yeah. We, we have an extra trip for you. Yeah, too, no, yeah. you have to go. Uh, I will not let you in my house. 
awesome. so you guys had a show recently mm-hmm. at Pops yeah. that went really, really well. Yeah, it was awesome. I was there. The big old curtain drop and everything. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was a blast, dude. How was it uh, like doing all the planning and everything for that? Dude, the, the planning so part, there's so much that goes into like a show. Just like, it's crazy, dude. I never had any clue. Yeah, like I feel like now, like with some of the things that we've done, like even Delmar was a little bit, there was a lot of DIY at this pop show. And um, I feel like you got a lot of that take because it was like you have to practice for the show. Plus we switched to in-ears and then we planned all this lighting and all these things. And it was like we had to load in the day before on Thursday and we had two, I think it was two box trucks and then my car was full and then Brandon's truck was full. Oh my God. Yeah, it was crazy. And, um, we just did a, we did a lot, dude. Um, I, I think we honestly learned a lot from that show. Cause I, I think maybe overdid it in some areas and didn't focus on some things, just looking back on it. Like we had a fundraiser thing we were doing with like a dunk tank. We were trying to do the Kabuki drop, which is that curtain drop. Mm-hmm. We'd never done that. Nobody had done that. We were figuring it out that day and all the lighting and the sound stuff, the led wall, like all this stuff. It was just a lot. Um, amongst like spot that first time we had ever tried to get sponsors, which we did trying to facilitate that. It was just a lot of moving parts, but I'm, that's why I'm grateful for Bobby too. Like that's Bobby's Bobby's world. Yeah. Bobby mm-hmm. crushed it, dude. Like that's it. Like first time Bobby worked for us. I remember I was like, all right, I got to go set up merch. I got to do this. He like grabbed me on the shoulder. He's like, what you need to do is calm down. He's like, I got it. <laughs> I was like, no, but we have to, he's like, I already did it. Like you will focus on the show. Mm-hmm. I'll focus on these things. And I was, it was like, oh man, I like this. Like, Did I you calm down though? I, I got there like 30 minutes before the show. You were not very cool. Oh, the pop show? No. There was, <laughs> we needed, we needed like 10 bobbies for that show. Cause yeah. we, we had, we had spread ourselves very thin, but um, not that show. It was like the first show I'd worked with him. Um, but yeah, no, I was not calm. I was nervous. Very nervous yeah. about everything. It's like, is the Kabuki drop gonna work? Is and it, 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 is, did. it did because I, I was like right before, like, uh, like you guys went on stage. Like the one, like there was like two curtains that drops once and falls over the stage, and the one curtain didn't fall on like the far right side. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, mm. oh shit! I, know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, whenever, like, I was like, please just drop, and it like flawlessly fell whenever it was like supposed to happen, which was that's so terrifying. Cool. Yeah, I, I remember it. seeing that. I had like my ears in. I'm like. Threw my like, hands up. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so bad. Yeah. But it looked so cool, dude. I mean, like, and two, it's like, it's funny because we loaded in a day early because I was like, oh, Friday, it's going to be great. We're going to mm-hmm. have like a bunch of chill time and we get there and then we have like this giant to do list. And I was like, oh shit, we have still have a lot of stuff to do. Like, we have a lot to accomplish. Like, I guess I never thought about how much actually goes into like the behind the scenes of a show. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's that is so much. Lot. There's, there's so many moving pieces. Um, there's, and it's like, it's like all this work for like months to for it to fly by. Like it's like you get there that day and it's I mean, you know this now. Yeah. It's like we've you know, like it's gone so fast. Like it's like over and it's like you're doing like the merch meet and greet and stuff and then like the show is over and everything and you're like, okay, and you go back to the room and it's like everything's being torn down. And then before you know it, you're like heading back down low and you're like, What happened? Yeah. It's crazy. And like the show seems like, you know, it's like you do all this work for what, two months. I think we have like an announced kind of time like mm-hmm. to get everything done and like two months of work for really like, you know, like an hour to an hour and a half on stage, which is it ab- felt so short, which is absolutely insane. It was like a long set. It was like, a I don't know. It's just crazy, dude. Yeah, it was. It was cool, too, because there was a lot of people there from like back in the day when we when we were coming up, like a lot of those bands that we looked up to. Um, like Copperview played the show and discrepancy has been around for a long time, but being around those people was very cool. And I, I saw a lot of, um, people from the scene back when we were really young that were there at the show. And that was really cool to see and just kind of catch up. It kind of eases it a little bit, kind of makes it a little bit more familiar, a little bit homey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was cool. Kind of like, maybe let's go back in time a little bit and just kind of like talk about like the inset, like how fivefold Gus started kind of thing. And maybe just kind of like bring us through into like current time and just like a, either as short or as long as you'd like. Okay. Well, it started, um, uh, my now wife's brother and I became friends. Um, his name was Jesse and, um, we got together and we just started playing music. We would play music at my house, like inside this house <laughs> next to this old lady at like one in the morning. <laughs> my mom was totally cool with it, dude. I mean like full on drums and we had an electric guitar with an amp in there. And my mom's like, she was totally cool with it. She was very supportive. And, um, 
and we would do that. And then he's like, Hey, I got, I got this friend at, at school, you know, he's a really good guitar player. And I was like, all right. He's like, you, like, you want to get together and like do something? I'll talk to him. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. I'm way down. So Matt, Matt comes out and, uh, we, we jam with him and it was a lot of fun. We were just playing around, just having fun. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, I think it was like the next day Jesse calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, Matt wants to know if you want to start a band. And I was like, you start a band. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. I want to start a band. <laughs> Let's do this. And, uh, so we were like, well, we, we needed a singer. We had a bassist that, um, that came on board. That was Matt's old guitar teacher, but we needed a singer. So I was playing drums for uh, a Christian camp called Bates Creek and, there's there's always this kid is how I always tell this story because it's true because I played at a lot of church camps I grew up in church and there's always this kid with acoustic guitar trying to spoon the ladies mm -hmm. like you know 16 <laughs> 15 years old trying to you know you know get his way in or whatever and so I saw this kid with an acoustic guitar after the service was over it's like this free time thing and uh, I, I walked over just to listen to him usually nine times out of ten it is terrible <laughs> and i walked over fully expecting that and it was ryan and he sang and i don't remember i don't remember if he sang matchbox 20 probably not the church camp because this church camp was like no distortion on guitar like it was crazy but um he played the song and he sang i was like oh dude this guy's got a good voice i was like mm -hmm. what are the chances that he lives close enough so i started talking to him and he's like i live in herculaneum and i was like oh dude that's only 15 there was churches from all around the midwest there mm -hmm. so it worked out we had ryan out for an audition we wrote a song and i ryan will tell you now too and, and the rest of the guys will tell you i vouched for ryan because i think matt was on the fence about it and i i was like no this is the guy this is the guy and he's like all right so uh we started a band uh with ryan and we just we just started writing music and um we play our first show was actually at a park Ryan's parents wouldn't let him play at a club or anywhere that served alcohol. So that limited us to basically nothing. A park. Yeah, a park. <laughs> a park. <laughs> and we played this park. And then eventually uh, my wife, Nicole, um, her dad, my father-in-law, uh, <laughs> remember that conversation earlier? Uh, he's like, he went to Ryan's parents because he believed in us, dude. Like he was like all about it, which was mm -hmm. Jesse's dad too, right? So he was like, went to Ryan's parents. I was like, if I chaperone them, like become this kind of manager figure and, and keep those things at bay, mm -hmm. can they play pops? Because we had a show opportunity to play pops. And that was our first real show. And they, they. Okay. The difference between a park and pops though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's very different. Very it's, different. I, I remember telling Matt, I was like, because he says we could play pops. And I was like, we're not ready. We're like, we're not ready. We can't do this. He's like, no, we can do it. We can do it. And I was like, fine, we'll do it. And like, turns out it's like, it was fine. It was like a local thing. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was a good place to kind of get your feet wet yeah. as a local band. Um, and then from there, you know, we traded out a few, few members and um we started getting some opportunities we played point fest we um we did some bigger shows did some stuff like kind of a little bit out of town stuff um and then the the, whole, the story as it goes you know um the sad part of it is we had we had this bass player who brought jim story into our lives we had never recorded like a real album we've always done like these demos but mm -hmm. we need to go to a real studio mm -hmm. which costs money so and we were young and Jim's story, I remember he came, he came out to a practice because he wanted to hear us. Never met this guy before, but all we knew about him was that this bass player that we had at the time knew this guy that invested in bands. So he comes out, we play a bunch of songs. He sits in this chair with his notebook and he's like an older gentleman, very clean cut, mm -hmm. like very serious. And we're like playing these songs, not really talking to him. We just keep playing. And eventually he's like, all right, thank you. And leaves. And I was like, well, how the hell did that go? <laughs> no idea, dude. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. So, and then he comes back and he's like, I want to put you guys in Sawhorse Studios. I want to do three songs or five songs, whatever it was. And this is what it looks like. This is going to be the cost, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yes, wow. we're doing this. Heck yeah. And then our bass player quits the day before mm. we're supposed to go into the studio, mm. like fast forwarding a little bit. And he was our connection with Jim. <laughs> and I hadn't even talked to Jim. Like, this is like, he comes, listens to us, a few weeks go by. Here's the plan. I want to invest in you guys. I want you to go in here. A few weeks go by. We schedule like the time. 
we're rehearsing for all this recording stuff. We got the date set the day before we're supposed to walk into the studio, bass player quits. And none of us have talked to Jim's story. Mm. Like it was all through um, this bass player at the time. It's like, I remember Matt came over. I think Ryan was there too. And Jesse was there and we're all at my house. And I'm like, what are we going to do? So he quits and he says, and Jim, Jim's story is going to be calling you at blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. And I fully expect him to be just be like, Hey, we're, we're not doing this. You mm-hmm. know, none of us talk to him. He doesn't know anything about us. Mm-hmm. And he calls and, um, I don't, I don't remember a lot of it. I remember like talking to him and being nervous and cause I'm the way I saw him was like this, like in my mind as this young kid, like this Elon Musk figure about to like do like some like venture capitalist yeah. stuff yeah. in this company that yeah. I have. And I'm talking to him and he's asking me all these questions. And at the end of the conversation, I said, here's, I said, here's the thing, Jim. I said, we're going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. We're either going to find a way to get into the studio, maybe not now, maybe not in a year, but we're going to find a way to do it. It's either with you or with, without you. And he said, I'll call you back in 30 minutes. And he hung up the phone. I was like, okay, I hope that went well. Cause I kind of <laughs> ended it on that. <laughs> I kind of went hard there and he called us back. He's like, uh, we're still on for the studio. I'll see you guys in the morning. And after that, Jim gave me a job, got me out of construction. And I, we would recall that conversation. Cause I would talk to him like, you know, like, He's like, I mean, you said what I needed to hear. Like, mm-hmm. I need to know that you guys were serious and and that this wasn't like a flyby thing. Mm-hmm. And you telling me that told me that you guys were going to keep pushing no matter what. So I believe in you guys. And our our Jim really became like a father figure to the band mm-hmm. and um, just and like a father figure to me personally um, and was just a mentor. And fast forwarding. Uh, Jim got diagnosed with ALS and it was like going to be like the first real loss of the band. Like we've never really experienced it. And, um, and then before we thought that was going to be the first one before that could happen, Jesse passed away, Mm. um, unexpectedly, um, over like he basically went in his sleep and they did an autopsy and everything and they found nothing wrong with them. And just, they, they said it was something like some adult onset, like basically like an adult version of SIDS, I guess is what it was. And it was just like that, like when that happened, I remember I was with my wife, she gets a phone call from her dad. It's like, you need to get to the hospital right now. And I'm like, uh, who, like what's going on? What's going on? And get in the car. We race to the hospital, getting a little bit more information. We get a call from our brother, Jared saying, you know, it was Jesse or whatever. So I'm like calling the guys. We like, I mean, it was, there were so many people at the hospital at that. By the time we got there, it was like me, all the band, Jim Story was there, Louise, like all these people. And it was, he was gone. And it was like, it was like, the way I describe it to people is like, you have this bubble around you when you're like growing up and stuff, unless you experience whatever age it may be, but it's like this bubble and you feel really safe, like everything's awesome. And, and then when you have that first like real close loss, mm-hmm. it's like someone just pinpricked it and it exploded around mm-hmm. you. And it's like, everything's different. Everything is different. So, you know, we, in our minds, we were prepping ourselves for this loss of Jim's story and like, man, this is messed up. And then Jesse passes and then, you know, Jim had passed and we were like, I, we were messed, dude. I remember like everyone had like their own way of dealing with it. Cause we were supposed to, after Jesse passed, we were supposed to play this acoustic show with a, a big band at the time called hurt. We were debating on doing it. Cause the night, the night that he passed that night we had practice and we had gone our separate ways and gone home. And that's the night that he had passed. And we had to go to our practice space and we had to like tear down all the gear. Cause we didn't tear down that night. And it was like, it was, I, I was a mess. Dude. And I'm not a very emotional person, but it was just crazy. And then I remember like Matt talking to Ryan about it and just being like, dude, we need you here. Like they had like this whole conversation, like Ryan was trying to deal with it on his own. And Matt like was like, dude, we, we need to be together. And that was like the first moment it was like, dude, this is family type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just, we played that show for Hurt. I didn't play, it was just acoustic stuff, but we, we kept pressing on. And the weird thing about it is everyone said like, how do you, how do you play the music, like going through that, it's like, honestly, it's the closest I feel to him. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, like we, we lost Amalung too, fast forwarding. Um, we lost him and, and I love that dude. 
And it's like when you're on stage and you're playing that music, it's almost like when you look around the stage, it's like you get like, I'm not saying there's ghosts up there, but um, you get these flashbacks of things when you're playing and this emotion, especially certain songs, like you're like when Amelin was involved in a certain song, I can remember these conversations while we're on stage performing and like mm -hmm. these moments and these songs with Jesse, especially Lost Within or, you know, Won't Let Go for, for Jesse too. And even now Amelung. And like all these people, the story was written after uh, Jim's story. So like you have all these moments on stage and it's like, that's when you definitely feel the closest to them. But, but yeah, man. So we just, we kept, we kept moving forward and kept uh, trying to do our thing. We eventually bought a bus, started playing as far up as like North Dakota, South Dakota, doing these things. We had a driver, Scott Conyers, love that guy. And we had members kind of come in and out and, and, and just started doing stuff. And that really came from a moment um, where a lady had, uh, we had played a show at Pops. Am I going on too long? Like you no, asked no, me no, 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 keep going, dude. We had had this moment that really changed the band. I remember it very vividly, um, except for the date, because I'm terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the moment and the feeling. We had played a show at Pops. We brought in this band uh, to play, and they were staying at our house. Um, and we play the show, we get back, you know, you get, after you load out and stuff, you don't get home till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Sometimes it just really depends. And we had, we had gotten a message on Facebook and it was this guy and he said, hey, never heard of you guys before. Um, my girlfriend drug me out to see you guys tonight, said that I should come. And, you know, I didn't want to go, but I went because she kept telling me I need to go, I need to go. And she drug me out there and... You guys played a song that really spoke to me and I was planning on committing suicide tonight. And because of the lyrics in that song, I decided not to. And I like sat down on my stairs and it was like two or three in the morning. I called the guys I'm like, you guys need to read the message in Facebook. That's the first time we've ever had anything that like that, that mm -hmm. heavy. Um, and from that moment on, it kind of seemed like we had like this sometimes a wait, I would say like to, to do these, like, cause we get people, that message is now from other countries and stuff. And you got to copy and paste into a translator and read. And they have these crazy stories. Like we had, we had a guy fly in from Canada at the last show and, um, a show before that at old rock house, this, this lady, I talked to her for like 20 minutes. She was just bawling her eyes out talking about these songs and, and how they changed her life. Cause she was going to do the same thing. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't have got through it without this song, you know? And she's like, tell me her whole personal story. So there's, and there's, from that moment, way back in the day, we kind of had like this thing where there's like a trend to our music. And, and it's kind of a natural trend, too, because Ryan, I he does a really good job of, I think, of taking like moments or things that people go through mm -hmm. and putting a story together of it. And it's it's his story in the way he sees it, but it's also it can be communicated with, to the listener as their own story. Like they can take from it what they need to while Ryan's still telling authentic truth about mm -hmm. how he feels about it. Right. Or maybe it's even like a direct story of something that happened to him and people can still take their own stuff from it. And we just had this weight from that moment of, of trying to make a, a difference. And then after Jesse passed, we came up with the catchphrase love hard. And, um, cause my, my grandpa always told me to work tired and play hurt. That's what he told me. He's like, you work when you're tired and you still play when you're hurt. Mm -hmm. And when Jesse passed, I said, the thing that I learned most from Jesse is to love hard because that dude did. Like he was always level-headed about things and and um, he was my best friend. And, and it really taught me like a softer side of myself. Um, and so we we attached that phrase love hard as kind of like the fivefold family motto. Mm -hmm. And that's why we call ourselves fivefold family too, is because like all these stories and stuff is like people coming up to us telling the stuff that, I've, you know, I've never met them and like this heavy stuff. And it's like, it's like, it's really a family. It's not, it's not a cliche, like kind of marketing gimmick at all. It's like really, Olive Garden. Yeah, it's not, dude. it's <laughs> not like Olive Garden at all, bro. Yeah, it's not. And, um, it took us a while to get there and, and, and learn a lot of things, but that, I mean, we just kept moving forward and that's a long, a long answer to your question of, I don't even remember who asked it at this point, but I don't either. No, I, it's thanks for sharing, dude. It's a crazy yeah. story, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be part of the, the five family. For yeah, sure. you definitely are. It's awesome, dude. That's crazy. 
Sorry for that long-winded answer. No, <laughs> just no, you, no thank you. Thank you for road, sharing it all. Yeah, thank you for sharing <laughs> it's it, dude. Like, it's a long story. Um, I want to ask you about being a new dad because mm. you are that. I am, yeah. How's it going? It's going good. Um, that's a whole nother story. She came early, so we spent three months in the NICU. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a whole thing. Um, I was actually six hours away from my wife when they were like, you were being admitted to the hospital mm. and you know, you could have this baby any minute or it could be hours from now. And I'm like six hours away and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, that was stressful. So I raced back and, and ev- all that whole, anybody who's been in the NICU situation knows it's a whole different deal. And, uh, but I mean, she's doing great. I'm, we got out a little bit early from the NICU, even though she was three months early, she crushed everything. Um, I remember this doctor, um, I forget her name, but she had said how many, she came in one day, like close to us leaving. She's like, how many blood transfusions did she have? And I said, uh, none that I'm aware of unless they did one when we weren't here and we were there every day Mm -hmm. for three months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she was like, no, they have to ask you. She's had none. And I was like, yeah, they've never asked us. So she's like, hold on. She goes to her computer and pulls it up. She's like, she hasn't had any that that's unheard of. And then she she had asked a couple more questions of things and I was like, no, that's, that's never happened. She's like, that's unheard of. So we were very blessed, honestly. Like we, we saw some stories in there and, and heard some things in other rooms that went down of, of babies passing and stuff. It was just, it was crazy. We were very blessed to get through that situation like that in, in all those times. And, uh, you know, it was scary, man. It's our first kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when she was first born, it's like she was in my like this size, like in my hand. Yeah. Like that's how small she was. She weighed like two pounds. And and um, it was crazy. But like being a new dad, I don't know, like because you have kids, right? One. Yep. You have one. How, mm-hmm. how old? He's a year and a half. Year and a half. Yep. So I don't know if you felt this way or if you felt different when you had a kid like in those first like early stages. But a lot of responsibility, obviously. Mm-hmm. But fear. Fear mm-hmm. is a big one for me, dude. Like I'm, I'm thinking about things different. Like when I'm driving, like she don't even need to be in the car and I'll be driving. I was like, well, if this person comes over in my lane and kills me, yes. what's going to happen to my daughter? Yep. Yep. Yeah, dude. Like that's not something I expected. Like it's like everything or like I'll be grocery shopping. If someone comes in here and shoots this place up and her dad dies, who's going to take care of my wife and kid? Like yep. it's like constant. I don't think it ever stops. Uh, yeah, it I'm probably doesn't, sure. dude. It probably <laughs> no. doesn't. But yeah I, I dude her she just started laughing and watching her like we're doing like tummy t- like trying to get her caught up because mm-hmm. they say like after two since she's, she was early we got to get her caught up and that happens at like two years like so mm. it, like her two year adjusted they do all this adjusted age gestational age stuff mm-hmm. but at two years old she's caught up to like a normal two-year-old mm-hmm. that was b- born fully or at their due date and so we're doing all this extra stuff and she's hitting all the milestones and th- like, wow, the story was pretty crazy and, and it got really hairy there for a second mm-hmm. and very scary. Like we're very blessed because she's been doing awesome. Uh, she's putting on weight. She's smiling. Mm-hmm. She's, she's eating, she's growing and, and she's doing new things like almost every day. And another thing too, is like the, the love that I have and respect for my wife going through that that's another thing that kind of took me back to that situation. Cause I mean, she was in, she was in the bed for like two weeks and mm-hmm. like going through so much, dude. I mean, at one point they were talking like if X, Y, and Z happens, we might need to talk about either taking the baby and her not being born or like your wife's life is at risk. Mm-hmm. And it was like, dude, like I remember at one point I was like trying to be strong for her and I had to like turn around and walk away. And I, cause I started crying. I was like, it was like too much. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually that, that person to be, to be, uh, I'll deal with my stuff later. Mm-hmm. I'll be, I'll be, I'll handle this now. That's, mm-hmm. that's usually my role. I feel like, but you know, it got crazy. I couldn't hold it in and she saw it and I didn't want her to see it, but she did. She knows me, but I, I gained so much respect and love for my wife even. And it's like, it wasn't just in the moment, like it's carried on. Like when I hear her in the other room changing Brie and she's talking mm-hmm. and stuff, I get like a smile on my face. Cause I can just, I can like picture them in there doing that. And just the, the the amount of sacrifice and effort it takes to be a mom. I don't know how single moms do it. 
the first night we got back with Bree, I literally looked at Nicole. We're like, we're trying to make dinner, trying to feed Bree, mm-hmm. trying to figure out like also no sleep. You don't get sleep. Right. And and we're trying to figure I looked at Nicole, I said, How how are we supposed to literally came out of my mouth, how are we supposed to do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, we come from the NICU. We had the and we had the best nurses too, I should say that. And uh my um see, this is where I'm terrible. My brother's wife. So that would be my uh my sister-in-law, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep, there yep. you go. See, Good homeschool job. boy. Good job. Um, <laughs> she she was in the room. She was incredible. I can't even come up with a word. She was there. She brought us up snacks, um, like these things for Nicole that we didn't even because th- we we weren't supposed to be there three months earlier. Right. Right. She brought up all this stuff, dude. Would talk to me and like. Had you even had like a baby shower yet? No. That was on the docket, dude. We were supposed to do that. We had, we hadn't had anything. I didn't have a go bag. And we mm-hmm. dude, I'm. They sent us home at one point, saying, "Oh, you'll be fine. You'll probably go full term." Like after this whole situation, been in the hospital. <sighs> so that night we go home. Like, all right, it's gonna be good. You know, positive vibes. We cook food. Let you know, hanging out on the porch with the dogs, and we start ordering stuff on Amazon just in case we do have to go back a little early. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day we're back in there, and it's like all that stuff got delivered to our house while we're in the hospital, and it was just like. You know, but Laura uh, was amazing. I don't know what we would have done without her. She was she was godsend, and the nurses and the NICU, just that whole team of people. Um, Raquel and Jamie, like they were incredible people. The doctors and everything, like it, it was awesome. But yeah, being a dad's weird, man. It's mm-hmm. it's a whole different. I'm like looking into these things to like set up like generational wealth, like this foundation <laughs> called Legato. I don't know if you ever listened to Ben Greenfield, but he talks about it a lot. And like this whole idea of, of trying to instill values in her, um, but also not being too hard on that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I want her to do her own thing and be her own person. But I want I want I want to foster this 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 mindset and stuff that I wish I had earlier on that would mm-hmm. have helped me get to places that I wanted to be earlier on mm-hmm. without telling her what to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah. That's why that like looking into that Legato Foundation and stuff like that, they they go over a lot of that and try and help you almost build a company like you build like this this set of core values around your family, mm-hmm. and th- like this is this is what you know being a, a husky family member means. This is what you know what whatever that means for your family. You, they help you set those core values up and everything, and mm-hmm. and try and be that. But that's awesome. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, dude, I'm excited about it, too. Yeah. Especially, like, with your guys' mindset, too. I feel like mm-hmm. the, I I don't know if they do it, but there's other companies that, like, help you make, like, a family crest mm-hmm. and, like, a logo that would mean something. And, like, you can, like, Ben Greenfield. Have you ever heard of Ben Greenfield? No. Oh, okay. Um, he's, like, a biohacking guy, and, and uh, he's got, like, flags outside of his house, like, as his family. I'm not Of his to, family crest? Yeah, dude. Like, I'm not going that <laughs> yeah. far, right? I'm not trying to do that or anything, but, or get my, you know, my seven-month-year-old daughter and have her tattoo crest on her right. arm or something. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> like that, dude. It's not like that. Yeah. But, like, setting up these these ideals and, like, a, a structure of, of what it means to be a good person is really what I'm focused on now with her. Like, and I feel like I'm behind, but I'm probably not. And um, even doing that throughout the family, like I'm talking to my brother and, and my sister-in-law about doing these things as a family, like, cause you know, my brother's last name's Husky. And then hopefully when our other brother has kids, like, you know, we can, it'd be like basically these retreats where we go off and we talk about these things that are working, not working other, mm-hmm. other ways to implement certain things or kind of like a community helping raise this family yeah. of ideals and now when I say it, it kind of sounds cultish, I ain't going to lie, but it ain't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, it sounds <laughs> like, uh, it sounds more like a weekend workshop. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Not, it's kind of cool. It's like a good thing for families to do. I feel like, I feel like a lot of families don't do that. Yeah. Like, I think that's pretty cool to do. So I like yeah. That. Yeah. It's, that's, cool. That's it's also cool point. to watch like two of my best friends, like have kids and like start a family and like it's crazy like it's like definitely a scary thing for me but i definitely want yeah. to do it someday yeah but it's just kind of fun to like it's cool to watch you guys be dads and you guys are awesome dads so well thanks yeah, it is thanks, scary dude. it the is fear scary. the fear is real yeah i was gonna say i wasn't that was like one of my questions i was gonna ask about like perspective switch like after becoming a father and i guess that probably answers that question but. i will say listen this is a weird way to uh 
I, I think this puts a puts a good lens on the perspective shift, but it's a weird example to give. Uh, before I had a child, if I was partying real hard or at like a bachelor party or something, and I saw someone with some old white cigars, cigarettes, mm. I would be like, if I'm like really, really partying, I'd be like, oh, yeah, give me one of those. And I haven't done that since I've had a kid. And I have been to bachelor parties and I've partied a little bit here and there. I never did that, which is like such a small thing. And I was never, I'm not a smoker. I was never a smoker, but you know, yeah. if you're in the, in the, in all of those vibes, sometimes you succumb to that. Oh yeah, dude. I was, yeah, dude, I'm nicotine's real, bro. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But even, even something like that, where it's like, that's the smallest thing. And I never thought anything of it when I was 19 and in college and at a house party. And now I'm like, nope, keep that away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. Goodbye. Leave. Yeah. I probably need to quit vaping. Jewel's got a hold of my soul. (laughs) Got a grip. (laughs) grip. The devil's got a hold of my soul. (laughs) Dude, well, this has been an awesome episode. I feel like this is like it's been. It's nice to interview someone again. I feel like this is yeah. like such a solid yeah. episode. Wait, I have one more question. You mm. Go for it. So you shared a lot of stories, um, good stories, heavy stories, but you are always seem like such a very positive person. Mm. Have any tips for that? How do you do that? I'm not always positive, dude. I'm really not. I try to be especially going in like there's you know like with having a family and stuff there's sometimes i'll sit out in my car for a minute before i go inside mm-hmm. you know if my wife and the daughter are inside and like try and set a good tone going mm-hmm. in um i you know i you know what i would say working out that's what i'll say mm. i would say i haven't i have not been on that train with having a kid but mm-hmm. i notice uh and there's actually studies that back this up when you're working out, um, it actually does just as good as um, a lot of depression drugs. But in the long term, it does better. Mm. Just working out, just strength training, resistance training, lifting weights, doing something like that. I noticed that about myself. Like if I get up in the morning and I work out, I feel way better. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a um, it sets you off on the right the right path. Mm-hmm. But I would say that being, but and also. I used to be really afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. I've come to terms with that over the past, like I've, it was a while ago, but used to be really afraid of that. So anytime I would fail or have like a little bump in the road, it would, it would really upset me, but I don't look at it that way anymore. I look at it as if I do have a failure and I didn't learn anything from it, then it was a failure. Mm-hmm. But if I did learn something from it and I, and I look into it that way, then it was just growth. That's all it was. That's how I look at those things now. Shoot. So, damn. I love that. That was really good. Yeah, well, I was years of being afraid, <laughs> to, trying to prove myself to yeah. people, and being yeah. afraid to to lose. And and when you when you set out to do anything entrepreneurial or anything creative or anything, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. Like it's gonna happen. So you better get comfortable with it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you do. You learn. You repeat. Look for another another angle or a different passion or or anything like that. But as far as positivity goes, I'm not always positive. I won't even claim to be that way, but I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just trying to be comfortable with your thoughts and, and and being honest with yourself, I think, is the only way. I'm definitely, he's seen me not be positive. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it happens though. Like you can't always be positive. Right. It's like, and it's, I feel like if you are always positive, that's probably not the healthiest thing ever. You know, probably like, true. Probably you have both true. ends of the spectrum. So you're going to experience both those things, but it's like, how do you go from in the negative emotions? Like how do you figure out how to bounce back to the positives? Right. I feel well, like very key. If this is how being comfortable with your thoughts and learning from things manifests, then I'll take it as a tip. Okay. And we can all, we can all learn something there. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, you want to cover music real quick? I think we got to cover music. we got to end the podcast in the right way. I have one. Nice. I prepped, bro. Hell yeah, dude. I love it. Well, let's, let's yeah. hear your recommendation. Yeah, what's up? Oh, mine? Yeah, yeah, yeah be, you go. Uh, Jamie Gray. Oh, that, hell yeah. That you showed, song. yeah. That yeah. song you showed the other day? That was yeah. so good. My wife showed me this song and it was late at night and all, like the obvious answer for me is Dermot, you know? Yeah. Right. But, this guy's got a similar kind of vibe, but I think like his phrasing and his lyrics is kind of like Tracy Chapman in a way. My wife was like, I want to show you this song. It's like late and I was like, I didn't really want to hear it. But she's like, no, you need to hear it. And she played it for me. I was like silent the whole time. I was like, who is this? Send it to me right now. 
And um, so she does. And I, I loved it so much. I was like, the guys are going to love it. I played it for them. But um, Jamie Gray, I don't remember the the name of the song. And I put my phone over there. So It's such but, a good song, though. I can't remember. Here. It was like his top one on there. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a newer one. Yeah, uh, he's got such an interesting voice and cadence in his melodies and stuff, I feel like. Um, yeah, I would say like a like a if Dermot and Tracy Chapman had a baby, that would be it. interesting. Yeah, it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it would be crazy. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's him. Uh, uh, what you're running from, yeah. or what you are running from? It's a good one. Whatever, however you want to say that. It's just one of those like kind of just guitar and ethereal sounds and some production mm. and it's got a good vibe to nice, it. Good nice, nice. Yeah. Shawalgo. Okay, so I like found this new artist. I was I was like getting in a rut of music. I was like I keep listening to the same music over and over. I need to mm-hmm. like get on Discovery Weekly, like find some new bands. I need some new stuff. And uh, there was this one artist I found, Blue Eyes, B L U, and then Eyes. And like she has. This Wait, EP. I think I know that. Yeah, it's like an EP called Healing Hurts, and it's just like the perfect like cloudy day vibes. Ooh. Like it's so good. Isn't B L U? Wasn't that like John Bellion who did that? I don't know. That's like the artist right there. Let's see. Oh, what? Yeah, okay. That's like Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Paris. Yeah, yeah they got but like yeah, feet. like it's like a really cool vibe. It's like kind of slow acoustic, but it has some cool builds and like some ethereal stuff too. So okay. nice. That's my recommendation for nice. the week. Well, listen, I would be remiss not to mention what I think is possibly the album of the year that came out just a couple of weeks ago. And I know this is not even an unpopular opinion. I'm not introducing anyone to anything new because everyone <laughs> loves her. But SZA, she dropped her new album a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have listened to it, but it's kind of like one of the greatest things that I've ever heard in my life. Oh, she's a great singer. I thought you were going to say Taylor Swift, but then I was thinking, didn't you just say on like a previous podcast that you have problems with Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> she makes great music, but I do have problems with her. Not pro- not not problems. I got like a little bit of like business marketing beef with her. I think she's a little not genuine. Anyway, SZA. She, yeah, Swifties are circling yeah, the yeah, building. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, we, got, like, we got texts after that yeah, yeah. from people. Yeah. Chago and I got texts. That were like, you know, I was with you when you said this and this and this, but then you came after Taylor Swift and now we're going to have issues. Anyway, this album that says it dropped, it's called SOS. She has an amazing voice, but the diversity of genres on this album is unreal. Like seamlessly goes from like she raps in the first song and then it's like R&B and then it's like a slow pop love song and then like a punk rock song. It's the punk song awesome. Is awesome. It's so good. I've listened to most of the album. I love it. And also yeah. love that she's wearing a blues jersey on the cover. She is wearing a blues jersey on the cover. However, not coming to St. Louis on her tour, which makes absolutely no sense. Maybe Isn't she up. from here? She is. Yeah. It's like yep. the second, second leg of the tour. She'll be back. <sighs> Doubt it. Also, Will I pay that much? I saw how much the tickets are. I don't know why I like, do that. Yeah, I understand. Well, this was an awesome episode, Derek. Thank yeah. you for coming. Any last like words or anything like that to talk about? Parting thoughts. Parting thoughts. That's mm-hmm. a better way to put it. No, I just appreciate you guys having me. It's my first solo pod. Usually, it's with. I'm telling you earlier with a band. I hide behind my drums, so this is a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Well, you did great. You did Thank great. You, you crushed you. it, dude. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for sharing all your stories. Of course.